Welcome to the Queer Confidence Podcast, the podcast to help you become your most confident queer self. I'm your host, he, she, they, Coach Alex Ray, and I haven't always been this confident. In fact, I used to be super insecure. And through this show, I want to share with you what's worked for me, my clients, and my guests so that you can become more confident. Hello, hello, my unicorns. How are you doing? It just so happens that I am recording a second episode out here in the same beautiful park. Um, at, the, at the same time, I really am recording these episodes back to back. So what you heard last week is um, the, I'm rec- I just recorded it. And, <laughs> and now I'm in your ear holes all over again in the same beautiful setting. I'm just... I've been laying here looking up at the stars while recording and it is just phenomenal. I'm so relaxed. I'm so calm. (laughs) I'm so enjoying this moment, just being present. And you know, that's one of the other things I realize about suffering. You can't really suffer if you are fully, fully in the present moment. I mean, you can, you can suffer that maybe that's a stupid thing to say that you can't, but the overwhelm kind of falls away as you realize like I have enough I am enough to to live to survive this moment right in front of me I am enough I have enough to survive this moment that I'm in right now just a beautiful reminder (sighs) okay now after that wonderful peaceful intro I want to share with you an update on my romantic life because ya boy is off the market. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> uh, so, fun little update. Um, I, y'all know, shortly after moving here, I broke up with that guy that I was seeing. Uh, it, <laughs> it just was very easy. Um, I don't know that I've had a few breakups that were easy, although anyway, whatever. I don't, you know, we're, we're letting that go. It was easy. It was quick. It was fairly painless. Um, yes, there was pain towards the end of the relationship, but like after that breakup, I was like, okay, bye-bye. And then I entered the shortest hoe phase of my life, which lasted like, oh, a week. Um, and it just so happened that I met someone who was absolutely incredible and really hit exactly what I was looking for in a relationship. Um, we, I mean, you know, the instant connection was just conversation was so easy and we kept hanging out and I realized like, Oh, you know what? I think this guy really meets what I'm looking for. And I'm happy to say that we made it official. And that is that. Woo! <laughs> um, and it's wild. I, I have, I just want to give you some some lessons that I've learned out of this um, whole experience because it was right after I broke up with that guy that I 
had been dating. Um, you know, I can't remember. I had a session with my coach either right before the breakup or right after it. And I just remember going like flailing my arms and like, I was like, Mike, what the fuck? (sighs) I am just so tired of this. How much longer is it going to take before I'm going to meet someone that like really fits? How, how much more of this fucking dating process do I have to go through before I find a guy that is a good match for me? This is fucking ridiculous. I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm so done with this. Right. (laughs) And then I met my boyfriend less than a week after that conversation. I think it was less than a week. If memory serves correctly. So here we are. Um, and I just want to bring you through a few different lessons and, uh, whatever skills that have really, really helped me get to a dating relationship that I've, I've never felt this secure, this calm, this comfortable, this connected with someone. And funny thing is I've also felt worried and anxious in that about like, this isn't normal. I'm used to feeling so much anxiety and so much like fear. And, (laughs) uh, there have been a few times when I turned on like sad music for a day or two, um, and, and breakup songs just to feel the, (laughs) the pain that I'm used to in the dating process. It has been ridiculously easy and both of us have commented about how now we get it. Like when, um, when people say when you're in the right relationship, it'll feel boring. Um, yeah, because my nervous system isn't in high alert being activated all the time with anxiety and fear and insecurity. I'm calm and it's weird. And so there's no drama in the dating. It's like, okay, it is what it is. <laughs> it's, it's so different. Is so different and it's so good. All right. So a few different kind of lessons that I've learned that I believe have helped me get here and helped me go through the dating process um, and match with someone who really aligns with what I need and what I have been looking for. So the first skill set, confidence. Oh my God, surprise, shocker. You didn't think I was going to say that, did you? (laughs) And you all know how I define confidence. Actually, maybe you don't because I haven't said it in a while. It's the ability to create your own calm in any scenario. Confidence is the ability to create your own calm in any scenario. That means no matter what circumstance you're going through, no matter what life is throwing at you, no matter what dumpster fire you're in right now, you have an ability to create your own calm because you know that you can have your own back. And recently I've been doing a lot of work with confidence around interdependence and um, how having your own back is half of it. 
trusting that you have a network who also has your own back or yeah, who also has your back is the other half of that being dependent on yourself and on your community, knowing that it's not only up to you and knowing that you're not 100% dependent on external people, you know? So confidence, knowing that you'll have your own back here. Um, what that has helped me with is being able to go through the process and not be an asshole to myself. (laughs) I committed to not being unkind to myself. And yes, there were times when I was unkind to myself and I was like, you know, what the fuck is wrong with me? Why am I not like meeting like, is something wrong with me? Am am I the problem? Uh, and that used to be the narrative. And recently I would say within the last year, my narrative has switched much more to no, nothing is wrong with me. And, um, I am like, I am okay as I am. I am enough. Boy, that one is hard to practice. I am enough. And when I feel sad or upset or afraid or lonely, instead of running away from that, instead of trying to find a way to escape from that, I sat with it. I met myself where I was at. I talked, you know, with my inner child. I talked with my with my soul that was hurting and It was just this loving relationship, this opportunity to just listen and hear myself and be present with my pain. So confidence, the ability to create your own calm in any scenario and knowing that you'll have your own back. It's essential to this dating process so that you're not coming off dates that didn't go well or, you know, going through a breakup and not... and turning it around on yourself and just guilt tripping yourself and telling yourself you didn't do enough. And you know, all the stories about how you should have done something differently. If there are genuine lessons where you should have done something differently because you were like an asshole, then okay, great. Yes. Learn from that. But (laughs) that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the constant self doubt and criticism and being able to set that aside to be kind to yourself because you want to have a relationship where you get to be 100% yourself and you get to be celebrated for that and encouraged to be that. And so if you're dating, not being yourself, putting on a mask, then you're only going to be matching with people that you don't belong with because you're not being yourself. They're, they're attracted to that fake you and not the real one. All right. Boundaries. Boundary work. Oh my God. This has been really, really helpful. Being clear about my expectations. And you all remember my <laughs> my favorite laughs from the breakup podcast where I was like over where he had told me that over communicating was, you know, kind of a, a downfall of mine. <laughs> and um Boundaries require that over-communication. Boundaries are being clear about your expectations for others, what you 
would like them to do and what you don't want them to do. And most of us think about boundaries as like, don't do that. And then, okay, I'm just going to walk away if you do. And that is not what boundaries are. Boundaries are, hey, I like to think of it like a video game. Okay. So for all my gamers, this, this will be helpful. It's like the boundaries of the map, right? Boundaries are the, what's included here and what's not included here on the, the map. I, I don't know. I used to play a lot of Call of Duty, um, especially Call of Duty Zombies. Who else loves that? Oh my God. So much fun. Anyway, <laughs> so, you know, there were boundaries. There, there were edges of the map where you couldn't go and you were stuck within the bounds, the confines of the, um, uh, of the map that you were playing. And that is how I love to think about boundaries. Here we are this is what I want to create. This is the kingdom, the map, whatever that I want to create in my life. These are the experiences that I want to keep having. And then sometimes something comes in here and I'm like, no, this doesn't belong in here. Okay. So speak up. Right. And that's where that confidence comes in is being able to speak up for those boundaries as well. And to actually clearly communicate and, um, bravely communicate even more so what you expect from others. Um, and it's also setting those boundaries for yourself so that when someone clearly repeatedly is violating your boundaries, whether they're not behaving in ways that you expect your, your partner to behave, or they're, um, are behaving in ways that you expect your partner to not behave, that you actually uphold those for yourself. And you're like, "Mm, you know what? This is a red flag for me. This is a no go. This is, this is not what I want. And I don't need to have a bunch of reasons for it. The fact that I want it or don't want it is perfectly fine enough. All right. So boundaries, self-discovery, holy shit, learning about my needs and um, you all heard the episode with my coach, Mike, I am Ellie. Um, if you haven't heard that episode, go back and listen to it. We talk about uh, mapping sensitivities, which is uh, his program. And the work that I have done with him around my sensitivities has been so, so, so helpful. I cannot recommend it high enough. So we are going to put the link to Mike's uh, online mapping uh It's like a video tutorial that you can do at any time at your own pace and you can map your own sensitivities to understand yourself better. And I have found that this work has been instrumental in my own self-discovery work so that I know more about myself and what I am sensitive to, what works well for me, what doesn't work well for me. Because here's the thing, y'all, when we are stuck in that insecurity, we think that we can just, and, and should maybe keep adapting ourselves to fit other people. And when you do this work of mapping your sensitivities, it gives you a really amazing, clear framework for seeing that actually nothing is wrong with you ever. Everything that you do, every habit that you have is a way of you trying to get your needs met. And so they're not wrong. No behavior that you have uh, previously labeled as like, this is your toxic trait. It's not wrong. You're not wrong for having that thing. It's just a behavioral pattern that you have had in order to get your meat, your needs or 
your sensitivities met. And if it's not working well for you anymore, great. We can work on adjusting how you get that need met, but you're not going to be successful in, um, in changing that behavior if you are just guilting and shaming yourself for what you're doing, because what you're doing is working to meet a need and you need to find a replacement for that, not just give it up, right? It's not about shaming yourself until you can stop needing to feel, uh, let's see, empowered around your partner. No, or maybe it's adored. Maybe you like to feel adored and praised by your partner. Okay, well, just getting rid of that, not going to work. Not going to work. We're going to look just maybe the are ways that you have found in the past that gave you that adoration. Um, you were getting that need met but through certain behavior. And you're like, I don't want to do that behavior anymore. So now I'm going to find a different way to meet that need to feel validated and adored by my partner. All right, so self-discovery work. Um, and y'all, <laughs> this next one is perfect around this patience. Good God, sitting in the discomfort of knowing what I want and not having it yet is the note I wrote there. Oh my God. Sitting in the discomfort of knowing what I want and not having it yet. Yeah, that's what it's felt like for a while. But until I did that self-discovery work with and mapping my sensitivities with Mike was ridiculously helpful because it gave me clear language to express my needs, patience around the self-discovery work and patience around waiting for opportunities in your life to align, right? It's not like you do the self-discovery work and then instantly voila person your ideal person or persons just appear right in front of you hell no in fact it's actually kind of a blessing and a gift and a fun little game that we get to play with our life and the universe the fact that we live under the constraint of time that nothing is purely instant but things unveil themselves themselves to us over time and so you can be really mad at it or you can look at how fun it is to wait for something i love surprises y'all i love them so much and actually that's something that this guy is really great at is giving me uh little surprises and one of my favorite things is when he tell like texts me and tells me hey i have a surprise for you later and I just get so excited because I love that anticipation. I also love roller coasters. I love the top of the roller coaster as I'm anticipating the drop. I love the drop too. I love that feeling in my stomach, but like it's that rush before it. When I went skydiving, the most nerve wracking part, the part that made my stomach do the most flips was the part when he said, all right, we're almost there. And I went, oh shit, that door is about to open in a few seconds. And then I'm going to have to climb out on that wing and then jump. That was the most frightening, most adrenaline rushing, most stomach turning moment ever. I love it. And 
I know that you can find a way in your life that you like thrills too, even if skydiving or <laughs> roller coasters aren't your thing. Anticipation is actually fun. We like it. So quit lying to yourself and making it miserable and lean into the anticipation. It will make being patient so much more of a fun game that you get to play with time, this time-space reality we have, and enjoy the discomfort of the patience, the anticipation that you get to experience while being patient um, for that someone or someones. All right, self-love. This has been a really big one for me. Um, and I've expressed that uh, you're enough concept to you all before and how big of a mind mindset change that was for me after my suicide attempt um, that I am enough, that, whole, that concept, that idea seed that changes everything about how I view the world now has really um, grown so many more roots over the last five years. Um, and within the last year, I've really been, you know, combined with that concept of sensitivity has really been looking at committing to loving myself with all of my flaws and not fixing myself anymore. And I noticed that um, in that last relationship that didn't work, there were still many things where I was, I was kind of right at the tipping point in that relationship where I was, um, I was looking at my flaws as things still that were like, uh, taking away value from me. My flaws were things that made me less worthy, less lovable instead of things that are part of me and maybe I want to work on some of them and maybe I don't want to work on others or maybe I want to work on others later, you know? Self-love is the commitment to loving yourself with all of your flaws instead of needing to fix or change before you can love yourself. And it's funny for many of us, it's so easy to love others with their flaws and it's so much harder for us to love ourselves with our flaws. And I just want to remind you that there's no difference, that you are just as lovable with your flaws as another person that you love with their flaws. All right, triggers. Mm. Two things with triggers. With triggers, the things that I've been doing recently are appreciating the clarity that they bring to me, right? And I told you all about this, I believe, in that breakup um, series about how I noticed that he and I were triggering each other a lot and we even spoke up about it. And I was under this belief still that it was good for me to be triggered in a relationship, that that would help me grow. And, And what I realize now, looking back, is that that was just me being addicted to the self-developer that says, trigger me, I love to work on myself, right? If you have read the book, um, uh, what? It, hold on, give me one second, 
I've mentioned this book in a recent episode. What is it called? Uh, Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents. Uh, then you know that um, there are internalizers in the world, right? Probably most of you listening are internalizers. I'm an internalizer. We believe that we, if we fix ourselves enough, then we will end up fixing other people and there will be no pain in the world. <laughs> And so it's like this over responsibility, this over sense of a uh, sense of responsibility beyond what is actually um, true or reasonable. So those triggers, um, we become addicted to that self development and like, oh, I can constantly work on myself and discover myself and change myself. And that is not. <laughs> And this is not a good way to use your triggers. And that is something that's been interesting about this relationship now that um, I don't feel triggered. I feel very, very, very infrequently triggered. And it's weird to feel so calm and stable in a relationship. <laughs> so I'm almost being triggered by the lack of triggers. <laughs> um so with triggers, the work to do um, in order to bring in a relationship for yourself is appreciating the clarity that triggers bring, but not being addicted to that self-development of like, oh, I need to keep chasing triggers because they're somehow a good way for me to work on myself. All right. Attachment styles. We've just got a couple more, y'all. Attachment styles. Um learning about them has been really helpful. Now, I want to put a big caveat on it, though. Most of the education around attachment styles uh, tends to shame or demonize anything but a secure attachment. And what I want to offer you, which is something that I've been working on with my coach, Mike, has been learning about them and not shaming not shaming them. And um, I'm so glad that he told me that to like, no shame in them. <laughs> They're just you trying to get your sensitivities met. Like, oh, okay, great. Right. So I tend to be uh, anxious. I've also definitely gone through periods um, where I was super avoidant. I remember this one relationship I had that was a few months long and I refused to put a label on it. And when I broke up with him, I like, well, first of all, I disappeared for a few days because I was so anxious about like him liking me and I freaked out and was like, go away. Right. And I turned off my phone for a couple days. Okay. So that happened. And then like a month or two later, I broke up with him and like literally just handed his shit to him that was in my car and was like, bye, I'll see you later. And never spoke to him again. Okay asshole move that was really immature and terrible um but anyway what i want to say <laughs> that's very avoidant right um is that nothing's wrong with you for whatever your attachment style is and you can always work towards feeling more secure and being in a secure attachment and the work of getting to that secure attachment is not 100% on you. It's also about you surrounding yourself with people. Um, if you're single right now, surrounding yourself with people that are 
secure and that you have an easy time being secure around. So if all of your relationships seem very volatile, then of course you're going to feel extremely insecure when dating because like you don't have any other anchors. I look at all of my relationships in my life, romantic or otherwise, you know, friends, family, everything, all my relationships as anchor points for me so that I'm never on my own. It's me and all of these anchors that are helping me stabilize. And when you are letting go of one anchor, if you have no other anchors, okay, great. Then now what? Now the ship is like rocked by the sea. So the more anchors, the more secure, the more comfortable um, attachments that you have with other people, the safer you're going to feel entering a uh, romantic relationship and the less triggered you're going to be by that person. So um, loving yourself, whatever your uh, default attachment style is, and knowing they aren't good or bad, learning about them so you can learn about yourself, but not trying to fix yourself, just understanding yourself again. All right. Codependency. Shit. Codependency. This was a really, 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 really big one for me. I realized back in 2018, um, that I, I just like looked back on all of my relationships and realized that I had a pattern of dating emotionally abusive men. And what I realized was that most of them were very, um, like emotionally removed. Um, many of them had narcissistic, narcissistic tendencies. Um, I did date someone who was like a full blown narcissist and, um, I realized like, oh shit, this whole codependency thing is why I'm attracted. Because when you're stuck in deep codependency, you're believing that you need everyone else to fulfill all your needs. And so what I was doing was chasing men that seemed like, you know, oh, they're very stable and they can you know, they can fulfill every need. Well, they kind of gave that impression of being able to fulfill everything for me because they were narcissistic or, um, because they were like this emotionally removed kind of statue and okay, well, you know, that statue seemed really, uh, stable. It seemed like he could give me, um, the, the stability that I was seeking and, it was because I had no stability on my own. So codependency is where you put all of your dependency on external forces, people, situations, etc. Uh, independency is the opposite of that, right? Where you are fully reliant on yourself. So that, <laughs> you know, they say opposites attract. When I was super codependent, I was attracted to seeking out dating very independent men. Um, so no matter where you find yourself on that spectrum, if you're extremely independent, 
it's time for you to find the gray in the middle. If you're extremely codependent, it's time for you to find your gray, the gray in the middle. Because the truth is that all of us humans are really meant to be interdependent, where it is not me on my own and that's all I have. And it's not I need everyone else. And if they leave me, I will not be okay. I won't survive. It's actually I trust myself and I trust others. I can rely on myself and I can rely on my community. Interdependency is essential, my friend, if you are going to be able to enter into a healthy, loving partnership. You both have to be able to be interdependent so that you can both deal with your own bullshit <laughs> independently and deal with your bullshit together codependently, right? Into, well, not codependently, <laughs> interdependently, right? <sighs> um, and, you know, final, final little thing here. Shame really um, is something that can be activated a whole lot as you date. Shame that you're not good enough, that you're never going to find someone that... Um, that it's, it's just all you and something's wrong with you. And you're going to see all of your flaws. They're going to be highlighted. They're popping out and screaming at you because you think that it's all your fault. <sighs> Follow the shame, my friend. Follow the shame. And I want you to just, want you to just notice the things that shame highlights for you. Shame highlights the things that are different about you, the things that you think are wrong. And I want you to know that those things that you're ashamed of are gifts. The things that you think are wrong with you are actually really neat, unique things that someone else, your, your perfect ideal right person, is actually going to enjoy about you. And sometimes they might think it's a little silly and quirky, and sometimes they're going to think it's the hottest, sexiest thing in the world. Either way, the things that you are ashamed of are things that will actually work with and work for your partnership or partnerships. So lean into the shame. See what, those, what shame highlights for you. Pay attention to those things. And if you'd like some help seeing how they could possibly be lovable, because I know that seems ridiculous on your own, I've been there, I would love to work with you and have a conversation around, um, around that. So come join the Confident Queer program or just book a one-off session with me and I would love to help you fall in love with the things that you right now feel deep shame around. All right, my friend, that's the update. Those are the pillars that stood out to me the most of, of things that I have worked through in the last, I guess it's five years of this journey. Um, and I just wanted to share them with you because I believe that all five or <laughs> yeah, all of these things have been essential parts of my journey in the last five years that have led me to where I am today in which I'm having a wonderful dating experience. Um, 
and really uh, just enjoying it in a way I never thought was possible before. And of course, you know, <laughs> no relationship is forever, as one of my friends reminded me. Every relationship ends in death or growing apart. And so, um, obviously, I don't, I don't know how long this relationship will be. Will it be until death? Will it be until we grow apart in some other way? I don't know, but I will tell you, I am the calmest, most secure, most comfortable, and most happy in this relationship that I've ever been. Um, and I wanted to share these lessons with you. All right, my friend, have a fabulous week. I'll see you on the next episode or hopefully on Zoom in one of these coaching programs. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, don't keep it to yourself. Share it with a friend so they too can become more confident. You can also help more people find the show by leaving a five-star review wherever you listen. And if you want to become a more confident queer with support from yours truly, head to coachalexray.com or use the link down in the show notes. I'm looking forward to working with you.